You know, if you were here last Sunday, you saw a lot of faces uh, you may not have recognized. Uh, these folks are, come on up here, if you don't mind, come all, all the way on up here. These folks are not guests in our services. They just live and serve primarily in Yorktown. So this is Tito, this is Jiba. Tito is the Executive Director of Leadership Development at Coastal, and Jiba is the Director of Women of Coastal. And I just wanted you guys to see them because you're, it's, it's going to be important uh, for you to know them, and they're, they're going to be around. But I, I've asked them to take just a second to explain briefly what they do. Well, hello, everyone. How are you guys doing? You, you guys are the most welcoming church I have ever been. You guys have made us feel so welcome. We just really felt welcomed by you guys. And as he mentioned, I'm the Executive Pastor of Leadership Development and in a nutshell, what we help do is to develop authentic followers of Christ. And we do that through various things. We use events, and our events are specifically curtailed to get people into small groups. Kudos to our small group pastor, Pastor Mike, who works with us uh, back there. Get people into biblical counseling, get people into mentoring, or get people into spirit, into leadership development, into any of those four areas. And so... We do that by either mentoring people ourselves or connecting people with a mentor or a biblical counselor. Because, and we do that in such a fashion, we do life with people. Ultimately, we don't disciple disciples. We disciple disciplers because we want the cycle to continue until the Lord comes back. Amen? So that's mm -hmm. what we do, and we're so excited and so thrilled to be here with you guys. And I'll let the brains of the operation <laughs> Speak. <laughs> My name is Jiva Torado, and I am the Women of Coastal Coordinator um, at our Yorktown campus. All the campuses have uh, are some things that are standardized, some things that are going to be customized, and each campus gets an opportunity to have a women's ministry that is going to benefit their campus, but ultimately still serve the purpose of connect grow, serve, and multiply. And I'm just really excited to just be able to meet my fellow sisters in Christ. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank God bless you. Yeah, Michael Bard just slipped in, and um, he's going to be leading a small group leaders training um, following. There's a, a new book that just recently came out that some of you may want to get your hands on. It's called how to love those who drive you crazy. So maybe, maybe you have a use for that. Maybe you need that to relate to me. I'm, I'm not sure. But in the beginning of that book, Tim Shalley's, uh, in, in just recommending the book, one of those blurbs in the beginning caught my eye. And he says, one of the things I love doing is reading sermons from those who have long gone on to be with the Lord. And he says, but one thing that's distressing about reading those sermons is says many of those churches that those pastors led so well didn't survive long, much longer. And primarily, that wasn't because of false doctrine or false teachers, but it was a failure to love. It was a failure to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Sam Storms, one of the uh, commenters on one of the passages we're going to take a look at today, says that he believes, and I think he's right, that one of the primary ways that Satan gets a foothold in believers' lives and in churches is through a lack of forgiveness. 
We've been in a three-week series called Anchors, just acknowledging the reality that 2024 is going to provide some stiff challenges. I don't know what might be bugging you this particular year. Maybe it's AI run amok. Maybe it's uh, an unprecedented presidential election. Maybe it's talk of the, the two wars that are going on around the world. Maybe it's confusion about the identity of men and women and boys and girls. Regardless, we could list more things. But many people are preparing for this unique moment in history by actually scaling back their engagement in church life or abandoning church altogether. And that's not going to work out well for anyone as an individual, as a family, as a community, and as churches and for the world. And so we're, we're looking into God's word. We're seeking to find anchors from the only one who actually knows what's, what the future is going to hold. So in the first week, we talked about having an eternal mindset, that one of the ways that we anchor is by understanding that this world is not all there is. Last week, we talked about why we need the Word of God. And finally, this week is we're going to take a quick look at the church. In fact, the title of this message is Adore the Beauty of God's Church. And we're going to get at this question. How can we learn to see the church as God sees it for His glory and our good? This is a different kind of message than I normally give. About 48, 49, 50 weeks a year, I stand up here and I begin with one text of Scripture and I walk through it. Today, I'm going to look at four or five texts about the church. And first of all, I want you to see and know that there is no plan B. God doesn't have a plan B for how he's going to accomplish his purposes in the world. In John 15, 1 through 5, we could draw a lot of implications from that. And rightfully so, but I want to make a brief point from it. John 15, 1 through 5, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now here's the simple point that I want you to see and to internalize from this text. Is that I think that I and most believers in this culture, we pick up this text and we read it as individuals. And, and rightly so, we hear Jesus speaking to us personally. But one implication of that paragraph is that this doesn't happen individually. In fact, one writer that I, that I trust very much, Michael Horton, says about this text, this means that there is no relationship, there is no possible relationship with Christ the vine outside of being connected to the branch, which he interprets not just as individuals, but as his church. 
And the further implications from this text, of which there are many, is that that work is often slow and it, it takes a lot of work. But God doesn't have a plan B. That doesn't mean that there aren't great value in all kinds of ministries and schools and that do great good in the world. We just started an organization called Village Green RVA for just this point. But any ministry outside of the church that is not focused on getting people connected into local churches that is multi-generational, where the word of God is preached, is doomed to no eternal impact. This is God, the church is God's plan A. And in spite of all the negative press about churches, the church is still the hope of the world. And no believer can safely give themselves a pass. And if, if you are constantly looking for some sort of reason to not be connected, some sort of reason to miss, something is off. God is calling you to be connected to his church, and you cannot thrive as a believer without that. So first of all, know that there is no plan B. Secondly, and we'll spend a little more time with this text, is, to, is for you and I to adopt God's high view of his church. In the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, the text says this, Then, John speaking, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. Don't miss that. Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This book so uh, held up as obscure and unable to understand and then by others fascinated to the extent it seems to be all they ever want to talk about was written, was revealed to the Apostle John as an elderly man, and he was exiled away from God's people, disconnected from his church because he had no other choice. He was alone there, but it was also written for, initially, believers who were under pressure, who were under difficulty. They were not just believers who were getting their feelings hurt occasionally. These were believers who were being imprisoned and in some cases killed. And so that vision is meant, the, the vision that's here, and we're meant to catch those, those very vivid sounds. I'm, I'm sure you noticed the, the voice of a great multitude, the roar of many waters, the sound of mighty peals of thunder, and a, and a sense of crying out. This is no casual worship. It's a picture of what's going on in heaven. 
And that's, a, that's an encouragement to believers who are under difficulty, whether, whether they're alone like John had to be through no choice of his own, or whether they're able to gather with many thousands when they worship. There is this picture of being able to see what's ultimately going to be happening in, in heaven where there is great rejoicing because, and did you see the reason? Let us rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And before that, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. And that is good and encouraging news when you're discouraged, when, you, when it seems like that, that the Word of God and the kingdom of God is, and churches, it seems like they're not going so well. There's this, there's this vision. And then there is this implication of how God feels about his church. The church is called the bride of Christ. And it says two things there. The bride has made herself ready, which sounds like that we, we are the bride of Christ. And it sounds like if you don't keep reading, it sounds like that, that we do that. We make ourselves ready through our own good works and good efforts that we somehow make ourselves presentable. We make ourselves holy, but that would be uh, not the whole story because if you keep reading, it says it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And then so you see there the implication that God's people, his church, ultimately we experience God's love. We gather to worship him with, with passion and intensity, but but that's going to result. The, one of the evidences of, of real faith is actual service that comes out of good works that God prepared in advance for us to do, as Paul says in Ephesians 2.10. But I want you to take just a moment to, to try to visualize further. I, I don't know, some of you in the room have seen Niagara Falls, and you don't just see it. You, you experience it, and, and you feel it, you hear it. Actually, I haven't seen it, but I've seen Cumberland Falls. Anybody else in the room seen Cumberland Falls? Thank you. Me and Wes. Cumberland Falls, this is a little smaller than Niagara Falls. It's about 20 minutes from where I went to college and two hours from where I grew up. But it's awesome, and it's it's big. If you've never seen Niagara Falls, it's, it's big and it's loud and it's a tremendous amount of water. And, and you just, you know, there's lots of signs warning you not to go out there. We're, we're meant to imagine the scene of worship in heaven and recognize the, the worship and recognize the way God feels about his church and what he means for it to be. And we're to, whether we worship in small settings or large settings or or God forbid we have to suffer in the way that John was suffering where he's alone, and we're to see God's church looking at that scene in heaven. And we are allow that to encourage us when we're frustrated, when we're discouraged, and to provoke us toward passionate worship. And to remember that Jesus calls the church his bride, and to remember that serving out of love is evidence of the church being real. How can you and I learn to see God's church as he sees it for his glory and our good? We need to know that there's no plan B. 
We need to adopt God's high view of the church, and then we need to embrace the mission God has assigned us. A little later in the book of Revelation, verse, chapter 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I read that passage at least twice every year in my regular reading plan. And I realized in studying this verse for this sermon, I've been reading that one wrong. It wasn't, a, it wasn't grossly wrong and it wasn't something that was not correct in the grand scheme of things. But when I, when I would read that phrase, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And this is, this is five verses from the end of the Bible. And, uh, and because of the very last verse, uh, I thought that this was the Holy Spirit and the bride saying to the Lord Jesus, come, because that is what it says in the end. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's actually not what that's meant in that case. And so I'm just acknowledging that to you right here and now. That's not what's going on right there. The word, um, it's speaking about the message and the mission that God has, has placed us on. And that, that word come in the original language is a present active imperative. It means it's both a, a mandate and it's an invitation. And so what's being said here is that we're, we're, again, we're given this vision of the end of time looking back. And the Holy Spirit is saying to anyone who will listen, come to Jesus. And the church that is there, the vision of the church that's already there is, is imploring us going backwards, come to Jesus. And then that next phrase that says, and let the, um, I'm getting ahead of myself, let the one who hears say, come. That's speaking of all of us in real time who have heard the message of the gospel and respond to that. We're to then take up the chorus of all of, of all of that crowd and, and say that. And then the final part of that is the message that says, let the one who desire, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. By God's mercy to me, I feel like I just said this maybe last week. Uh, my both of my parents are still living, and and uh, when we're going there, it's it's not unusual. You know, we call uh, mom will call a couple of days beforehand and says. What do you guys want to eat? And there's a great sense of welcome when we go there and, and we look forward to that. They're there and they're saying to us, come, come. You know, that I, I did talk about this just two weeks ago. I remember when it was now. Um, and there's that sense of welcome. We're to understand that this also is the call on us. And so that's if you are a follower of Jesus this is the message you too are to be delivering. And if you, if you are saying, if there's something in your spirit that says, no, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want that. I don't want to be a part of delivering that message. I, I have to ask you it, or to say it may be that you haven't really 
heard and responded to that final invitation there at the end. Maybe, maybe you, you're hanging around church a lot. You've heard a lot of sermons, but you've never actually heard that, that mandate and that invitation that's, that's somehow broken through you to your heart, and you know that you're thirsty. You know that you need God, and there, there's a desire in you that cannot be filled through any other way. And you're not actually yet have become a follower of Jesus. And so I plead with you in this moment, come. If you are thirsty, if you're spiritually thirsty, and you know that's not been satisfied, come. And if there is an ache in your heart that nothing in this world you've been able to find that will address that, then come. And then let's understand as clearly as we can that this is God's call on us to continue to share that message. How can we learn to see the church as God sees it for his glory and our good? Fourth, we're to love one another well by God's standards. Sarah and Emery read this passage for us earlier, just a piece of it. This is just a small part of it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Connecting with God's love, as I was saying, as we, as we connect to Him, as we recognize what's been offered to us, then His love is first, and that provokes us to love Him, which provokes us to love others. But honestly, in most of my church experience, there is a great need to lean much harder into this. As Jesus says, it's, it's fairly easy to love those who love you, to love those who think like you, to love those who... Um, are kind of in your stage of life. And God, we do not yet look, we do not yet reflect our community all that well. And what are the reasons that we've followed God into making the dramatic changes that we've made over the last year is because we have collectively responded to the call of God on our lives that said, that's not okay. But let me warn you, if God so blesses us that, that we soon have lots of different kinds of people worshiping with us, the challenge to love well will get it significantly more difficult. As we gather with people who know Jesus and love him and are seeking to follow him, but see some things about the world very, very differently, and it's been my experience and the experience of those who have these kinds of experiences that was redundant is that the greatest potential for rich relationship in the kingdom of God ends up happening through people you wouldn't have imagined that you would have been in connection with before that. But because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done in us, we're to love one another well by God's standards, and we're to extend forgiveness. Colossians 3.14 talks about bearing with one another. There's an awful lot of that that needs to happen there. If, if you're so prickly that every time somebody 
annoys you, you feel like you've they owe you an apology, you're not going to have a lot of good connections. So sometimes people, you know, there are things that happen that bother us and we're just intended to, to bear with them and forgive them and move on. They don't owe you an apology. In many cases, they don't even know they hurt your feelings or they don't even know that they've done something that, that bothered you. And you also know if you're honest with yourself or that you're honest about this, that you've done this to people. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean to hurt them. And you expect them to give you the benefit of the doubt. And so that's part of that. But there is another whole part of forgiveness that's harder. Listen, forgiveness, in spite of what some have said, is not forgetting. That's impossible. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you no longer feel the pain of the offense And forgiveness doesn't mean that you cease longing for justice. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you make it easy for someone to hurt you again when there's a more serious issue that's taken place. But we're called to express God's love and we're called to bear with one another and to forgive each other. And did you see the standard there in Colossians 3.13? As the Lord has forgiven you. And so finally, how can we learn to see the church as God sees it for his glory and our good? There's no plan B. We adopt God's high view of the church. We embrace the mission. We love well according to God's standards. And finally, we serve one another. This is the verse I read to you just a moment ago that we're called through love to serve one another. God's love for us, God's love for you, provokes your love for him, which then is intended to flow through us to others. And we can, we can test ourselves to an extent to see if, if your serving is happening and is motivated by love. And I don't like, I don't always do so well on this test. But if in your serving, you're often frustrated at other people who are not serving according to your standards, that's likely not serving that's motivated by love as talked about in this text. But there's the the flip side of this. If if you're here, you're you're somewhat connected to the church, but you're, you're not serving... And and there's a thought process in your head that goes something like this. Serving, that's for those who, they don't have my life. They they don't have my limitations. They don't understand the difficulties that I face. And that's for for those people who, who have more time on their hands to do that. And again, that's not understanding that the very nature of being a follower of Jesus is going to provoke us to follow him into serving other people. Love finds a way to do that. And so, there is each of you received, I sure hope mine's still in my pocket. I don't think it is, but you received a a little card as you came in. And that's specifically designed to remind us that we're to connect with God through corporate worship. We grow in community through small groups. We serve in ministry 
uh, in a ministry within the church and in a mission outside of the church, and then we multiply that. And that particular card, the, the multiply piece means this, is that it's, it's not just about you, it's who are you taking with you? Who would you be inviting with you? And so there's a little card in each one of those that you can use to write your own name and, and information in there and say, would you please connect with me, connect with God in worship? Or would you, would you join me in growing a community through small group and you write your name on that and invite them? Or would you serve with me and you write your name in there and invite them to the specific thing that you serve in? Speaking of serving, I didn't say this earlier, but there is a first impressions team training this Wednesday evening. And you could, maybe you've already turned in your Connect card, but you can, there's another one there. And you could, if you're interested in that, and that has to do with greeting and, and ushering and security and um, I'm forgetting things. Uh, coffee, serving coffee, all of that. And we would love for you to be a part of that. I've already told you, this is not, not a normal sermon for me. But I want to appeal to you as, as strongly as I know how. There's going to be a lot more to share about what's coming in the next few months that I'm excited to share with you, but I don't really have time today, and I'm not quite ready to say it aloud. But there's more coming that I'm looking forward to share with you. And I, I'm asking you to join me. Get signed up. Use that card. Sign up for the We Are Coastal class. And let's dig in. I'm asking you to be all in. Not because it's me. Because it's the Lord Jesus. And it's His church. And we cannot anchor to serve faithfully as a follower of Jesus Christ outside of a church like this. There are others. But this church, somebody's going to stand here every Sunday and share the word faithfully with you. And we'll love you and we'll seek together to follow Jesus faithfully. Let's pray. Father, by in your mercy and in your grace to us, I've shared the gospel today of which there's no hope for any of us outside of starting there, of understanding our great need for you, the thirst that can't be satisfied any other way, and the desire to be made whole on the inside. And so, Father, I pray for those in the room or those watching my live stream who have not taken that step, that in this moment, that they would pray and cry out to you for mercy. And Father, for the rest of us, as you lead, I pray that we might be willing to throw in completely, to be committed to you through the life of this local church, so that we might follow your call to share that gospel message faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.